Hello and welcome to the Northern Slant Host with me, Roger Greer. Today I'm speaking to Dr. Ben Harper, Research Manager at uh, Pivotal, Northern Ireland's Think Tank. Uh, ben has more than 17 years experience leading research projects in the NHS, local uh, authorities and the voluntary sector. Uh, and most recently he's worked in research and lecturing roles at QUB, uh, and which has led to the work which I wanted to discuss today around Pivotal's report on educational migration in Northern Ireland, uh, entitled Should I Stay or Should I Go? Ben, thanks very much for speaking with us today. Great, thanks for that um, warm introduction, Roger. It's always strange to hear yourself introduced. So thank hey, you. Yeah. It's a uh, 17 years experience if you look about 10 years younger than I am. Um, <laughs> but I mean, this is something I spoke to Anne Walt very briefly about in a previous episode. Um, and I think when this work was just starting. Uh, so it's great to be able to come back and discuss it in a little bit more depth. Um, before we go into any findings on the report, uh, it might be useful just to touch on the background of it and the context. Where did it stem from? Uh, where did you carry it out and what were you looking at? Sure, definitely. I'll try and give a quick summary of that, Roger. So, as you know, we are a small independent think tank. And part of our work, or the majority of our work really, is about trying to choose topics, research areas that have big policy impact. Yeah. And part of that work is thinking what's not been addressed and what's a, what I would describe as maybe a common problem or a common challenge. And by that, I mean common to many people in Northern Ireland, but also one of those areas that has a lot of intersectionality between social, economic and, and wider areas. So things like educational migration are really, really important because it's something that affects many people. And I think I see this as a very systemic issue. You've got the people who leave, you've got the families, but then you've also got wider employers, investors, etc. So that's the sort of general idea of how we work in Pivotal. This specific project came about because we had done an initial desktop review where we reviewed evidence from previous research, obviously a lot of policy research, and spoke to key stakeholders like secondary school student union, um, national unions of students. And what was really clear to us, Roger, was that this area hadn't been really thoroughly addressed in nearly a decade, which is a really long time. Um, and within that time, University participation generally in the United Kingdom has increased and certainly in Northern Ireland has increased. And at the same time, I would argue that educational migration has become the norm now in Northern Ireland or, or possibly in, in the North and the South of Ireland as, as a wider epidemiological unit, not as a sort of constitutional status, but on the island of Ireland, if you like, migration is commonly accepted and we wanted to really understand that. And part of understanding that for us is about user-based research. It's not about us just casting opinions about, it's about generating evidence from people who are living that experience. Yeah, indeed, I was one of those people who you um, interviewed and it's um, it's great to be able to ask you to, to come and speak about it. Um, and I found it a really useful experience for me, just exploring some of those reasons why I left Northern Ireland, because um, I went to uni away and then why I stayed away, because I came back and worked there for a while, but um, eventually moved away again. Um, but what I really like about the report is that it is hugely accessible. Um, much like all the reports of Pivotal, it's full of quotes from people who took part. So as well as that analysis, you've got what people are saying. Um, so I, uh, I implore everyone to go and read it, and we'll link it in the uh, in the uh, in the write up. But what were the main findings from the report, and um, were these particularly surprising? Is it, or is it what you expected to hear from people? Yeah, so th there's lots there I'm thinking rather than just launch into a few. So I, 
I guess in terms of findings, in my mind, I'm separating them from the student sample. So they were people who had left Northern Ireland who are currently studying outside of Northern Ireland. And the group we targeted there were people who are studying in Great Britain. The reason for that is they're the highest numbers of our destination of leavers. And then the other separate group, but hopefully we'll have time to talk about how they come together, mm -hmm. is diaspora. People like yourself, like you've volunteered to say that you took part, that people who are working outside of Northern Ireland, but who are originally from Northern Ireland. So I think it makes most sense to quickly talk about the main findings on the student sample. Yeah. So we had over 300 students complete an online survey and then 40 students took part in individual interviews. So they, they were quite in-depth interviews, some of them lasting up to an hour. And there's lots of findings here that, as you say, on very kindly say are accessible. So I'll go over the main highlights of those and people can read more. And certainly anybody's interested, just drop me an email. But the biggest thing that jumps out for me when I think about our student group is 73% of those students applied for university outside of Northern Ireland as their UCAS, UCAS firm choice. And I suppose, Roger, that tells me that our sample were a bunch of young people who had in mind that they wanted to leave. Yeah. I wouldn't use the term determined. I'd love to talk to you about that, but I wouldn't use that term. I don't like it. Um, but the three main findings really to unpick the, the reason why people left came out were about community relations, graduate opportunities, and social and student experience. You said something around anything that surprised me. The thing that jumped out for me the most was around community relations. Yeah. It was really surprising and saddening, really, to, to talk to educated young people or young people in general who were at the age of sort of 19, then they'd never met somebody from the opposite faith or political yeah. belief. And that they were sort of using their word sick of living in a divided society. And as somebody who studied outside of Northern Ireland myself, I was quite surprised that quite a long period since I studied, that's still an issue in Northern Ireland. And it's an issue that young people are passionate about. So for me, that was the, the biggest surprise in finding. Linked to that as well, there was a finding around young people wanting a better social and student experience. But what's really important, and hopefully this comes across in the report, is that's actually linked to community relations. That's not just about somebody from... I want to pick a random place, Moira, or some place outside Balamila. Lovely places, of course, but who want to go to the big smoke, want to go to London or Manchester. What was linked to that is people were saying they want to get away from small town mentality, quote unquote, which was linked to community relations and sectarianism. So they're quite unique findings, really. And the final thing I'll say about the student findings, which are really interesting, is that 88% of our sample had no plans to return to Northern Ireland for further study or employment. But I think that's massive in the general statistics you see. Well, it's crazy. It's just such a huge number. Yeah, it's massive, isn't it? It's massive. It's a massive number. And I was just going to say the general stats that are sort of pushed around are a third don't return. So from the Department of Economy in Northern Ireland, their statistics are a third. And they're right. That's not that's not me challenging those. But I think 88% is incredibly mm -hmm. high. And in the interviews, we actually, young people were actually being very clear why they didn't want to come back. They, they felt very disillusioned with our government. They felt that they couldn't see themselves in day-to-day decision-making. And a real sense that, I guess, that the instability within government is very off-putting when you're at a stage where you want to set down roots, develop networks, both professional and personal. So, so they are very concerning findings from the student sample. 
definitely. And, and some of the quotes here, I've been studying in Scotland for three years, and every time I come home, I see no change. There are no opportunities. Um, you know, there's things like housing costs living is cheaper, but jobs are paid less, and there's less room to grow. It just seems like opportunities. People's yes. opportunities across the way, whether that's social or um, economic, um, or just stymied um, by being there. Uh, but that number jumped out at me. It, it, it didn't seem massive. Maybe you know that's maybe people who don't intend to come home, but you know, some of them do. That just seemed like yes. a huge bit. Uh, and then what about the uh, the people working abroad? What was the the main findings there? Did they fall down? Yeah, so, yeah there, there was definitely some similarities. So we did 48 uh, intensive interviews with adults um, who had worked outside or who were working outside of Northern Ireland. And I suppose the average time of living outside of Northern Ireland was 18 years. And the most common exit point was higher education. So there's your commonality already between our student group and our diaspora group. And the average age of the people in the diaspora aspect of the study was 38. So there were three top reasons for leaving and not returning. The first reason, again, surprised me. It was sectarianism. This is really pervasive across home and work life. So participants told us concerns about education, for example, if they had children, where they'd be educated. They had concerns about where they would live. And there was this general view that while some things had changed at a big picture level, very little had changed. You read a quote there from a student and we had many quotes from adults living outside Northern Ireland when they return for Christmas or, or marriages or just general return. And a sense of an uneasiness they, they sensed in Northern Ireland that some participants described hasn't really went away. Another reason that Diaspora talked about was job opportunities and this sense that our perception, I guess, that Northern Ireland is not connected to a global market, that working practice is outdated. People talk in some depth about things like um, working from home, flexi time, opportunities that they felt weren't available in big employers in Northern Ireland. And I should say these are perceptions. Of course, this is not us saying this does not exist in Northern Ireland. But you can see um, this general sense of Northern Ireland feeling for some people somewhat sort of outdated, quote unquote. And finally, a really important point is nearly every participant, if not all participants, had very limited faith in government functioning, had limited faith in the government's ability to change, to look to the future and move beyond identity politics. That was a huge issue for participants in the sample. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's something that, again, runs right through the, the report is that lack of faith in government. I suppose that you know, most countries will have some sort of disillusionment with the, um, with the governments in place, but sure. uh, ours seems to be a massive problem that that's ongoing and um did you find that was something that flowed through from the desk research that you've done previously into this and then into these interviews that reinforced that that message that you know, government and the you know the historic problems that we have are just driving people away or keeping them away whenever they do go no it's a really good question actually roger and, and to be honest it's something i've never really articulated and it's a really important point i believe anyway that in the evidence that you see on paper, there, there is a lot of discussion about sectarianism and community relations. Some of the big authors like True at Ulster University have done really good work and that's all around sort of identity and community relations. Mm. But I believe there's less discussion about populations views on government functioning. And as you said, there's this consistent thread across our samples that people are really disillusioned at one end and at the other end quite angry and 
I, I hear what you're saying, and many people said, you know, no government's perfect. People I spoke to in America, Australia, etc. All governments have issues, of course they do. But what I think makes Northern Ireland quite unique is our focus on identity at times. I, I remember a participant really well, and I'll try not to ramble here, but mm -hmm. she was describing an, an issue in Scotland at the time of the Scottish referendum. And it was along the lines of percent that while Scottish independence was important, people weren't out in the streets, sort of arguing with each other and fighting with each other. And I am, of course, not distilling our Northern Ireland conflict down to that point. But it, it made me think that identity in Northern Ireland here is such a is such a difficult issue to talk about. And, and that's another message from our research. I feel that we, we need earlier work on how we get young people to think and talk about that because our study does demonstrate that community relations and sectarianism are huge push factors in Northern Ireland for both groups. And, and I would like to think about that further when we when we look at the government's conceptualization of a determined lever. Yeah, and what are the consequences of people not coming back or leaving? I mean, you mentioned there's uh, chatting uh, to colleagues in, in the US. Are there examples from elsewhere in the world where there's high immigration and low returning numbers that we can compare to? Yeah, yeah, I guess um, there, there are European examples where governments have tried to proactively respond to skill shortages, mm -hmm. because I think the whole idea about educational migration has to be seen within the, the general context of our economy in Northern Ireland in terms of low productivity, low innovation and a really ongoing skill shortage. Now, whilst the skill shortage isn't particularly bad at the graduate level, what we would see is that the graduates as human capital have the capacity to transform the economy in Northern Ireland. So there's a sense that we can't really afford to lose um, so many students and young people. But also, I think it's important to stress that our report isn't just about keeping our students here. It's about making Northern Ireland a place where people want to come and work and live. And at present, that's not always the case. So other, other governments have done quite well on this. In particular, we're, we're watching the Welsh, Welsh approach with interest. So the Welsh government have introduced an educational migration policy and they want to actively explore how to retain more students. But what's interesting, if you look at Wales compared to Northern Ireland, is they attract much more students into study. Yeah. And many of those students who come to Wales for higher education stay, stay live, work, etc. Yeah, and the very first Northern Slant hosts, actually, probably before it was even called Northern Slant hosts, um, I spoke to Peter Cardwell, um, uh, former SPAD, and we had, you know, he said one of the arguments that unionism should be making, and perhaps this is a unionist um, argument, but you know, it's relevant to the, the general discussion, that as unionists we should be promoting Northern Ireland to the rest of the UK and the world as a place to live and work, right, and just bring 100,000 people in. Um, is there an argument for you? Know, okay, fair enough, people are going to leave to study and work abroad, that's that's fine. But try and attract a huge number of others in proactively. And maybe this speaks to some of the, the solutions that you uh, that you've sort of spoke to Anne previously, she was speaking about ways to get people to come back. Um, I presume you have all of the answers now and they're, they're in the report and that's it, we can just go and do it. Yes, it's all sorted. No, um, I think there's a couple of points there. It is about making Northern Ireland a place to live for people in the United Kingdom and globally, a place to come and live. We've got excellent resources, um, great communities, brilliant education. But I think what our report is saying, the bit that jumps out to me the most, is even if we get more people here, we still need to address these underlying issues that are, are creating significant divisions in society. And there's, I guess, a temptation in Northern Ireland to avoid talking about some of our difficult aspects of the past. 
and certainly our sample would have said that they had limit, like I'd said, limited exposure to people of difference. Uh, I feel that urgently needs addressed. In terms of solutions, I think it's important that um, as a think tank, we don't say this is what you should do because that would feel really arrogant and, and ill-judged. I think this is about the first steps or steps towards using evidence to shape policy. We would feel that the executive urgently need to develop a strategy. And that may be, Roger, as simple as saying, we're not going to do anything about educational migration. And it may be they say, well, actually, do you know that this isn't the priority? We would feel, of course, it is. And it's linked to this wider need for a review of higher education funding that this began, I guess, or our steps towards a review began in 2015 with a document called the Big Consultation or the Big Conversation, sorry. And there was a discussion around either increasing fee or not either an idea about increasing fees, increasing private or public investment. But the idea that something needs to change because the government then nearly sort of look at my calendar nearly 10 years ago, were saying that higher education is not sustainable because yeah. universities such as Ulster or Queen's University Belfast, they simply cannot charge the same amount of money. They can't attract the same amount of investment and it's complex. Now, that is not, of course, to be clear, me saying that we need to raise fees, not at all, but we need a discussion and some evidence to think about what we do do because the current status is not sustainable. The other thing that I think is important when we think about solutions and the wider skills deficit is that higher education needs to be one option in a wider option of access to education skills and training. And there are some excellent programs to retain and upskill young people, and possibly that involves better work within the further education sector, which is underutilized in Northern Ireland for the excellent skills that they can offer young people. And I guess a final solution that I think is really, really important that we've touched on a number of times is that Northern Ireland as a society needs to really acknowledge the impact of its poor community relations. And practically, there's lots of steps there that might be around the review or, or discussion around integrated education that's happening here. It also has implications for things like housing in Northern Ireland. How do we develop better integrated housing? And also within education, within higher education, Roger, we feel that higher education needs to make a better commitment to discussing community relations and enhanced community relations with the students who attend those institutes. Yeah, it seems that, I mean, your, your third um, recommendation is the executive needs to demonstrate that government is working to move Northern Ireland forward. Uh, and government working seems to be quite a low bar um, to success. But possibly, you know, the, the government being ineffective um, as a driver is maybe one of the things that stops policy being developed in this area, you know, which is a yeah. in itself. Um, and you talk about yeah. breaking those barriers to people returning. It feels like that's a challenging one. You've sort of lost the battle if you're yeah. kind of break those barriers. Um, yeah. and, and there's limited options to doing this, is there? I think it's, it's something that doesn't happen overnight. There's, it's something that's it's about step changes. And uh, yeah. one of the big things that we would like to see is much more implementation and evaluation of strategies. In Northern Ireland, we're really good at sort of launching ships and policies and strategies. You know, so there's been recent discussions and, and recent skills consultations. And perhaps we would attract and maintain more people if some of those were actually implemented successfully and fully and evaluated. Similarly, within education, within primary and secondary education, there's been numerous reviews into education, which is brilliant. 
But what we would want to see is those actually being implemented and evaluated because it's this big systemic issue, isn't it? It's not just about saying, come to Northern Ireland and we'll offer you a tax break. That won't keep people here for a long time. We need to think about this in a really big picture way, which I appreciate, Roger, can feel a bit of a sort of, for me personally, it can feel a bit overwhelming and a bit sort of kick it down the road, but there are small steps and, and we've tried to outline some of those within the report and, and within this discussion. Yeah, I'm never, I'm thinking back to, to whenever I um, was speaking to you about this as, a, as an interviewee. Um, and without breaking all these bonds of confidentiality, I think one of, the, was one of the questions, what would bring you back? And we discussed things like, you know, if you had a tax break or if you had, you know, yeah. this um, tangible thing or that tangible thing, would that be the, the thing you can write about? Like difficult. I mean, I recently bought a house, um, you know, recently got engaged, family and friends were here. Um, or, you know, is a tax break going to bring me back in Northern Ireland and push all those other things that are drag everyone else um, with me? And it's, it's really, really hard. It is really hard. And it, I can see the challenge that the government has to try to, to try to convince people to come back um, when they when they set down roots somewhere else. Yes, and you'd wonder almost if there's this correlation that the longer you stay away, the less likely they are to come back. Because with yeah. with your example that you've disclosed in terms of investing in a home and developing a relationship, then it's not just you; it's you plus other people, and that becomes really complex. But I do think Roger, that's where it links into the themes in our project, where if in a very hypothetical way, well, talking about other research participants, people would say, well, I'm interested in coming back, but my partner feels that Northern Ireland's really sectarian or my partner's worried about the education of our future children, et cetera. So I think it, it's really complex, but there are steps and it's it's more about the, the policy implementation across those realms, not just thinking about this as a discrete issue. Yeah, as someone who compared house prices in the southeast east of England and Cookstown, it um, if that if that doesn't drag me back, um, there's not very much that will. Um, that, that was great, and um, again, really uh, implore everyone to go and read the the report because it is very good um, and full of great quotes and uh, and snippets and, and some really interesting statistics as well. Um, but what's coming down the track then for Pivotal in 2022? Any um, big set piece events over the next few months? Yeah, so we're really keen, Roger, when we engage with participants that we try and do something with it, because I think sometimes it can be ethical issues about taking information from people and then just publishing it. So a big drive for us is about trying to promote our findings, engage with policymakers and try and create change. And part of that is the next step of that journey we see is about how do we develop youth solutions to make Northern Ireland a better place to live, work and study. So this is one of our big follow-up pieces from this migration piece of work. So we want to go back to young people, not the same young people, different young people, and say, this is what we have found. What do you think? What could make your community better to, to live and work and stay, etc.? And we also are doing a big project around youth solutions to cycles of disadvantage in marginalised communities in Northern Ireland. So that's the second bit of research that we planned our policy work. Um, so there are confirmed pieces of work, and I guess as the year happens, hopefully we'll do more and more work in those areas. Well, we're looking forward to it, and we will move out, um, get you and the team back on, and we can discuss um, as reports are released and, uh, and launched. So um, yes. thank you very much for coming back on. For coming on. Um, it's great to have Pivotal back on the, on the, on the podcast, um, and we look forward to getting you back on again soon. Ben, thanks very much. Great. Thanks so much for your time, Roger. Thank you. Thank Cheers. You.